0: Welcome to the 16th episode of The Most Serious Podcast. In today's episode, I talk to Alexa Curtis, who is a blogger, who is a podcaster, who is an entrepreneur. Alexa basically started a blog when she was 12. It was called Life in a Fashion Lane. And from there on, she began her journey of personal branding. She went on to create two podcasts. She also got a show from Radio Disney. And she's managed to work in content creation, getting personal brand deals and working with major corporations. We talk a lot about how her journey got started and uh, the troubles she faced when she was beginning her content creation journey. Alexa also talked about the situation in the US regarding uh, education and also the whole scenario wherein kids go to college to figure out their purposes. We also talk about entrepreneurship Is entrepreneurship everyone's cup of tea? What is really a personal brand? And should you have a personal brand? We also discussed social media and how everyone on social media seems to become an entrepreneur or an influencer. So we all discussed all of that. Enjoyed a lot talking to Alexa. Let's get into the episode now. Alexa Curtis, thank you so much for doing this. Welcome to the most serious podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm not serious. So we'll see how this goes.
0: <laughs> That's the response that I get from like almost anyone who comes to the podcast. The, the first reaction is, hey, I'm not a serious person. You know, I won't be giving some serious advice. Here.
1: No, but I think everyone is serious. Like everyone in business can be serious. I think it's a really cute name for a podcast.
0: Amazing. So first of all, how are you doing, Alexa? What's up?
1: I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm excited about this. I, I have like, I do both sides because I have a podcast too. So I really enjoy like knowing how to have a podcast and then also being on other people's podcasts because I just love to see how people interview. So I'm excited about this.
0: I'm also doing good. And uh, I'm sure the situation around COVID has improved there. You're in Austin, right?
1: Yeah, I'm here. It's totally like in a sense back to normal. I mean, I don't think that necessarily the world will ever get back to normal just because I think people are so, at this point, traumatized from that whole year. But it's certainly right. like places are open and people are taking meetings and stuff again. So there's a sense of normalcy.
0: Do you think, uh, why do you say that people won't get ever back to normal? Do you, I, I think that people do tend to forget like uh, here in India, I I saw people when before the second wave, people get really casual and you know, the stuff just slips out of their mind that this crazy thing happened like a couple of months ago and just people try to get back to normalcy, just forget about all of the stuff that's been happening.
1: Well, I think it's hard because I think after you wear something like a mask for a year, right? And it's almost like your identity is kind of at this point it's like did you get vaccinated did you not and people are so like judgmental about that and the whole political side of things and like how people really took sides when at the end of the day it was a disease that was killing people it wasn't about politics i just think really opened people's eyes up to the kind of people they not only want to surround themselves with uh but just in general um just a sense of fear of like can this happen again will our lives be on hold again and especially with the masks i mean i appreciate the mask at this point i realize, like on an airplane i feel way better wearing a mask i don't really want to be at a library wearing it but i think that there was a sense of like the world was a very dirty place um <laughs> and we should have we should have caught this
0: do you think there's a pre-covid alexa and there's a post-covid alexa
1: yes <laughs> do you feel like you have a pre and post-covid you
0: uh I think yeah uh I haven't thought about it like very subjectively but I obviously believe that there would be but what's what's the big difference you see in the pre-covid Alexa and now?
1: The pre-covid me was just so obsessed with being successful like right before covid happened I had left Disney and I felt like I was kind of in a place where I wasn't 100% sure what was going to happen career-wise if I really wanted to pursue the summit um, and I just was almost like racing every day, you know, get up at five, be at the gym at six, at nine. And, and then I would like get home and I'm like, like, why am I so tired? Why am I doing this? I don't even see my friends. And so for me to be alone at twenty three for a year in LA where I'm not even from, uh, just really opened my eyes to like w- what are the things that I was doing that was making me really unhappy? And it was a lot more things than I expected. And now walking away with a sense of almost just relief and more confidence that, like, I don't need to get up at 5 a.m. and be at the gym at six and then have this routine schedule. I mean, a part, one of the best parts of being an entrepreneur is that you really can do whatever you want. But I had like put myself into this almost like nine to five, like obsessed mindset. And so I just feel overall a lot more like chill. (laughs) Also, maybe because I feel like at this point, like, because that happened, that really just showed you, like, the world might just go on hold. You might lose this opportunity or like, Someone you really care about might die and you weren't expecting it. So you just can't live your whole life on edge about like what's next for you because there's a bigger picture to look at.
0: Do you think there's a pre-dominated like uh, predisposed hustle culture associated with all the metropolitans and obviously LA, New York City and uh, anywhere in the world where all the big firms are operating and all the grinders are present? So there's this unconscious mentality of always grinding, always hustling. Do you think that's, that's, uh, what's your view on it? I won't label it for you, but tell me about it.
1: No, that's a great question. And I mean, that is something that I've been asked quite often, even just in past like conversations and passing, and I've also tried to educate young people on. And I think, you know, when I started, I started in 2011. So that word that hustle mentality, like what Gary V started, um, and just that hustle culture, that wasn't really around. And I think the reason that it became so obsessive to an unhealthy state, because that is a great word. Like, yes, you should hustle and you should work hard and you should grind all the time, but it doesn't mean that you should lose sleep because of it, and you should be out every night and then get like two hours of sleep and think that that's like okay because you're like you're meeting people and you're out. That is not a healthy mentality, and I truly attribute that to social media because the obsession and the amount of like fame and success someone can get for doing absolutely nothing, but yet you're reaching the epitome of what people and, you know, the Ellens and the Oprahs of the world and, um, you know, Sarah Blakely of Spanx and even Sheryl Sandberg from Facebook worked 30 years, you know, worked their ass off for 30, 40 years to get to. So I think when you're looking at this culture now that's gone away from you have to work hard for 15, 20 years and that's when you become successful to, okay, you can post a video of you dancing and all of a sudden now you're famous in theory and you have a million dollars. Of course, that's what people want. And so I just think that that word now is tainted because of the way that social media has embraced it and let it happen.
0: Do you think you struggled with that personally as well?
1: I used to really like a lot. I mean, I don't now. Do you mean specifically about the hustle culture or the social media stuff?
0: The hustle culture.
1: I mean, like I said, I mean, I think that that's a great word. Do I like I'm, I'm very driven and I work very hard. Do I find myself though at this point to be where like I'm losing sleep over things unless it's like a deadline for a project? No, because I truly believe that you can be successful and also sleep nine hours I think you yeah. can be successful and work for yourself and take weekends off uh, but at the that's beginning it. yes i really suffered with that and also severe imposter syndrome but i think that's a part of entrepreneurship some of that that like culture stuff with the hustling and the lack of sleep and whatnot goes along with it but the more you do it the less you find the need to
0: i think i, I totally agree with what you're saying because when you're going out solo and you're building a when you're building anything. It, it couldn't be a business or it can be of any industry, I believe. When you're taking the tread alone. So there, there are obviously moments of self-doubt, anxiety and all that stuff. And it can't just go away with a switch. It takes time, I think. And Absolutely. you're really young.
1: <laughs> yeah, it takes so much time. Oh my God, thank you. But no, it, re- it really takes time. And the whole process, you just have to embrace every step of the way, whatever it is that you decide to pursue.
0: Now let's talk about the girl who started that blog. Yes. Life in a fashion lane. <laughs>
1: yes. Back in 2011, I was like a little baby.
0: Why did you start a blog? Like uh, people are very, I, I think pro- probably people start writing diary entries at that age and Alexa is writing blogs. So Here's what to
1: I mean, okay. So I think people look at me as I was like this go-getter 12 year old. I mean, I was, it was the opposite. I was bullied. I didn't have a lot of friends. I had a very traumatic situation occur with my dad. And so, um, when I was 12, I just had read about a girl online who had started a blog. And again, this is before this was a thing. I mean, there was no, even like Squarespace wasn't even out there. So I went onto this website, blogger.com. My sister helped me come up with the name. And then I just started posting pictures of myself In different outfits and writing. I performed very poorly in school, but I always did very, very well with English class. So I just love to write. And then from there, I started emailing different editors and saying, like, I had started this blog and the whole setup of blogging back in 2011, the way that people would follow you was so unique. I mean, there was like these buttons on the side of the sidebar. I feel so old where you would have to click (laughs) follow and you would have to comment and then you would go to someone else's blog. So I had kind of created this community of like young teen bloggers who were all doing the same thing and we were all like not popular kids and we all kind of became friends. So it was, um, really interesting.
0: You've seen like the, uh, I think you were a very close observer of the internet for the past 10 years, because I don't know that I was as active in 2012, was it, or was it 11 when you started the blog? 2011. I don't think I I would have probably made a Facebook account back then, but I I don't think.
1: I don't even think there was Facebook. WhatsApp wasn't around Facebook. I don't think was around MySpace and AOL and MSN. I don't think Facebook had started until maybe like 2014. And then Instagram, I think didn't come until then too.
0: So did you feel like uh, that internet space was very uh, vaguely, no, uh, not, people were not much aware about it because your friends couldn't know more about a blog and they would, they would be like, uh, what are you, like, you told me that you don't, didn't have many friends and you struggled with that, but uh, people around you, did they understand what you were doing?
1: No, Um, sometimes I think they still don't. No, they didn't. But I mean, again, back then there was traditional media. So there was magazines and, you know, like the CNNs, there wasn't really this blogging empire. No one was an influencer. People weren't making money with branded collaborations, unless you were like a celebrity and a, you know, a Reese Witherspoon or a Meryl Meryl Streep. And so I think because of that, it just kind of like isolated me for a really long period of time. And I think that is why I maybe became so obsessed with that hustle culture is because I felt so, Almost ashamed that no one really understood my vision for so long and I was so young and felt so insecure. And so I just became so obsessed with working. That being said, I don't feel like anyone really believed in me or looked at me like I could be successful until I got my show on Disney. And so that took years. But uh, I mean, blogging now, people really know about it. And so that's great. Right. But yeah, no, back, back then it was like, it, it, I couldn't have made myself a weirder person. Like people already thought I was weird. And then I started a blog. And then I was like the weird girl with a blog. It was all, I don't know what was going through my <laughs> mind, but I, every, everything I did made me more ostracized.
0: I think that it takes immense strength to, to even pursue or even think about writing a blog or doing something out of uh, the convention. Right. And uh, being a kid who struggled Uh, who struggled in high school and, uh, you know, felt that imposter syndrome. How did you find that courage? Because I don't think people get that from the inside or I don't know.
1: It's just work. (laughs) It's work and, and being in entertainment because I started so young and I didn't come from any connections. I didn't come from any money. All, I mean, the amount of stories I have, I couldn't even like tell you like, bad business deals and I wasn't signing contracts right and so just growing up in that world and doing it alone I learned so much and just became I had to put on such a hard shell because otherwise I kept getting screwed over and anytime someone was mean to me or told me that I sucked at whatever it was that I was doing at that time it, it wasn't worth it for me to even kind of let it hurt me anymore like it did when I was younger and so I really like kind of attribute it just a progression of time. And I mean, that's the thing is I started this when I was 12 and I'm 23 now. So a lot of the stuff that I embrace doing this for 10 years and that the anxiety and kind of like the dream job, net cycle and stuff that people deal with in their twenties, I dealt with in my teens. And so Mm, I did it reverse. And I think that's just why I became so confident is because when a lot of 20 year olds are struggling with finding their identity, I, for whatever weird reason was doing it in my teens So at this point, I don't really feel like I have anything to hide because I went through all those motions of finding yourself and building confidence.
0: Do you still read that blog?
1: No. (laughs) I mean, I I still type on the blog, but I mean, sometimes I'll go back and look at like old posts and it's really cute. I had like no sense of style and I couldn't write, but I mean, yeah, all my old posts are still up and the blog still runs. And I mean, that's still a lifeline for me, like financially. Um, but yeah, it was, it's like reading, like, do you read your old notebook, like right. things five years ago? I mean, like, kind of, I guess, sometimes if you want to <laughs> look back and how far you've come. But you know.
0: I was thinking about asking you this, uh, since you've seen both sides of the coin now, you've seen the pre-internet and social media version of struggle with teenagers. And now you've seen the post social media struggle that people have the anxiety and they again have that imposter syndrome i think social media is doing a pretty good job there so what what do you think about that do you think both are similar in a sense or do you think one is more difficult to handle than the other what's your opinion on it struggle that people faced in the high school uh in your pre-internet like pre-social media when they weren't able to make friends or they faced bullying or It was more of sort of physical experience, like physical in term, I mean, going out to the school and then facing like sitting alone in the class or something. And now it has turned to more of a digital experience, right? You don't have much followers and you don't get likes on your posts and then you feel anxiety and all that stuff. So do you think there's a comparison?
1: Yeah. Oh, I mean, in a sense, hundred percent, I was on a call yesterday and someone said to me, like, it seems like you have a love hate relationship with social media. And I was like, I wouldn't lie and say that I love social media because I think it's a terrible thing. I think 50% of it is an incredible opportunity to give yourself a platform and a voice that you haven't had, or some utilizing something like LinkedIn, which is still social media in a sense to message someone. I mean, that's great. That wasn't around really. I mean, kind of LinkedIn was when I started, but a lot of these platforms that you can use to introduce yourself to someone or find someone's email wasn't around. And that's the great thing. That being said, you're totally right. Social media is ruining people's mental capacity and also ability to relate to people and talk to people. I mean, even for young people now with dating, when you're looking at a series of apps and it's this constant hustle cycle, like, okay, that was fun, but like, who's next? Or, okay, like, mm, that video didn't right. make it. That video didn't make me famous, so, like, what's next? I'm not going to go to college because I just want to be a YouTuber because that's what other people do who are cool. It's almost that sense of also, like, who are the role models in this day and age? And from the minute that I started, that was always something in my mind is I wanted to be that role model for young people that I didn't have growing up. And now it's just a totally uh, – saturated market of like everyone thinks they're a role model and everyone thinks they're an entrepreneur and that's not true because you have a million followers does not make you a business person or a CEO it solely gives you a million followers until you do something with that platform uh, but yeah it's, it's very difficult I mean when I was bullied people were like writing mean comments on my blog and saying it in person now the dms and like the the lack of uh, ability to like feel confident and if your photo doesn't perform like I don't that's a whole other world for me because that totally goes over my head. But I have friends who it's like, they, they sit there and I see them post and it's like, they just sit on their phone and then they don't get enough, mm. like, like 10 minutes. And it's like, do I delete it? Do I delete it? And I'm like, like <laughs> what? why do you care? Literally? The only person who should care is someone like me who actually gets paid to post. If I didn't do this, I would be, <laughs> I literally would post my coffee mug. I would post my light. I would post a cat. Like I'm just, it's, it's, it's fake. It's all fake. Like social media isn't real. So just post what you want. Who cares?
0: Also, I think the communication has suffered a lot. People, uh, when you're you're at a party or when you're at a social function, if you would like to call it or a social outing, you don't want to talk to new people. You just uh, want to put your head down, scroll through mindlessly through apps. And it's a very unconscious process. And it's very hard to consciously choose doing that. Can you, yeah. can you understand me?
1: A hundred percent. And that's what I said about the communication. I mean, to look at social media as a way to learn how to communicate and especially during COVID, which was very difficult and this new generation of kids who had a year away from, communicating with people will now even right. rely more on social media and that's just scary because at the end of the day most people are not going to do what i do for a living and i don't advise you should do this for a living it's very hard unless you truly love something you need to learn how to have those skills to impress your boss and talk to someone in hr if there's a problem at work and i don't find that traditional schools and especially when i was growing up and always went to public school they don't really give you those skills and so with social media even more so prominent nowadays. There's there's even less education around how to communicate and how to talk, and it's just concerning. It's it's overall a concerning thing, and I just hope that people continue to want to educate these new generations of kids on how to have face to face conversations and like deep conversations as well.
0: I also believe like uh, there are many things that I would love to change. I don't know if I'm the appropriate person to make changes into the education <laughs> systems or all, because I won't think about it very holistically. But uh, there are some points that I was I was thinking about discussing with you like entrepreneurship or personal branding. It's the stuff that actually matters in the world if you look at it. And there's just no speck of dust even in those textbooks that uh, come along with the school education that would even touch upon these topics.
1: That is actually so interesting you bring that up because I think it's incredible that you even acknowledge that because you're so right. I mean, why? And like, I had started this nonprofit back in 2016. That was kind of like the DARE program. And I don't, do you have the DARE program in India?
0: Uh, I' drugs not...
1: and alcohol. Like it's talking, it's educating kids about drugs and alcohol.
0: All right. Uh, I, like, I'm okay. not sure.
1: Yeah, it might just be like big in the US. But I, you know, why are 16 year old kids getting taught at health class not to use heroin? I mean, like, give like, what is the statistic, right, that a 16 year old child is going to use heroin, maybe one person out of that class, but how many of those kids are on social media? How many of those kids are either bullying or getting bullied? How many of those kids are cutting and sexting and on Snapchat? A 100 of them? Um, And so I think there is a plethora of things that should be changed. I just think it comes down to a variety of things like resources, denial, a lot of parents, especially on topics like sex education, they don't want their child's taught, their children taught, or there's like that one parent in the meeting, especially in the US, because there's the, the whole system with like the PTA meetings and how involved the parents can be. And there's like that one person who's like, I don't want this taught and then no one can be taught it. So there's just so much that should be changed. And I don't think it ever will be changed. That being said, what happens outside of the classroom is really crucial. And when teachers are willing to like sit down with students or even guidance counselors and have really honest conversations with them, hope you hope that every school, public or private, enables a child to feel like they can talk about anything when um, it's not even brought up.
0: I think that's that's the missing piece, uh, as, you, as you talked about it before, like conversations, actual conversations people have you know yep. getting yep. getting my uh, talking my heart out and listening to someone it's yeah. all gone i i believe there are uh, I, I don't know how to put it because it's like you have 15 seconds uh the thing that you mentioned on instagram or on any other platform people have 15 seconds 30 second videos to just make some content and get viral and that's their only motive they don't want to sit down and talk for 30 minutes they'll say like you know, just get to the point. uh, Just tell me what's what's up. Text me. Don't call me.
1: Yeah. And that's so there's no like humanity behind that. It's like dehumanizing how people are and how they're meant to be and communicate. And it just puts people into a box. I mean, it's awkward, right? How many times I've had so many conversations and I bet you have people on this podcast. I even when I had both shows would have people and it's like, I mean, how is it that you can speak to a phone to literally a wall and then you cannot even speak to me face to face. You know mm. what I mean? It's like, what, what right. is wrong with this world? You can't even, <laughs> it's awkward. The worst thing is like an awkward conversation with someone you ask a question to and then they're just like, and you're like, <laughs> uh, okay, next, I guess my next question is, you know what I mean? <laughs> that is so common though. All the time I have those conversations.
0: Right. But. How do you view about the university education culture in the US? <clears throat>
1: You have some great questions. Uh, I personally didn't go to college. That being said, had I gotten into the four colleges I applied to before I really was able to start making a lot of money, I don't want to say a lot of money, but like a salary from what I do now, I still was planning to go to college. I think college is really great. But I think there's a lot of things that should be changed about the system. Uh, especially the money and stuff. You know, if I look back, I, if I had wanted to do it, I probably would have done community college for two years and then maybe transferred to a school that was like an NYU or a Yale. But that being said, I think those people who go to college and are looking to just like party and have fun and also get the education. I think that at the end of every high school and that amount of time you spend in high school should really be taught preparing you for that and also giving you more social skills so that you know how to utilize the resources in college. I have so many friends and especially college students that I talk to all the time and they're getting ready to graduate college and they didn't walk away with any mentor. They don't know Mm. what professor to reach out to if they feel like they need a professor to help them write a recommendation letter. And it's like you spend X amount of money over four years and you either just like partied the whole time and didn't walk away from those resources Or now you're realizing and it's kind of too late. Oh, I could have done more with what I was doing here. And so I I think like high school is really the place to start teaching people how to have those skills that you can utilize in college.
0: I'm like really interested in, uh, I believe the next 10, 15, 20 years. I don't know what the timeline will be. But I think there would be a massive shift like uh, people in the realization that people will have about going to universities or college, if they can get that education or, uh, what would you call it? Knowledge in through internet or through resources that are less expensive and more value adding. Like I would say, instead of having a class for 14 weeks, get doing a course that absolutely that, that, that won't add much value to you in the, you know, in the mix of things, but instead of having like doing a seven day bootstrap course and you learn a lot from it and then you build upon that so learning real world skills i think that could be the future of the world do you think about it? i
1: agree i think and i think that that's so smart and i think that that's a great way to do it but what i do like about college is that they force people almost to be uncomfortable like the dorms and like when you're going to parties i mean there's a sense of like getting young people out of their comfort zone by making them meet other people and those shorter courses you don't get that but you're so right is there a way to do like a one-year intensive boot camp and make it way more tailored but also to get out of high school and get out of um, yeah I guess high school and then you go into college and expect to know what you want to do like holy shit does anyone at 18 know what they want to do there should be a (laughs) either a required gap year or a course in that before you go into college that helps you actually figure out what you want to do. Cause that's why people go in there like, Oh, I'm going to study art and then I'm going to study music. And it's like, that's probably not going to get you a job like a basic business degree would. So can we actually just help you figure out what to do before you even invest the money?
0: That's so true, Alexa. I relate to that on such a level because I I, I don't understand the stigma of making 18 year olds understand you just figure your life out at this moment. You have to choose what you're going to do for the rest of your life. What's what's that yeah. all about? Eric?
1: And there's so many options. And it's like, <laughs> you don't even know what you like or who you like. You're at 18, you do not know yourself. And at 23, you really don't know yourself either. And <laughs> so I just think there that's almost the worst time. Like you should make someone go to high school College should be high school and high school should be college because like if anything, (laughs) when you're younger, you have less to care about less worries. Like you're not thinking about almost your appearance or how people perceive you because you're so young, you're going to college in that gap of time where it's like, you know, less about yourself, but yet you're expected to figure it all out.
0: You know, I still believe like uh, the U S has done a pretty good job in, uh, in becoming open to more career choices right? In India, they have the system of, uh, you must have heard this stereotype of Asian parents getting their kids into engineering doctor or a lawyer.
1: Totally. Yeah. And I mean, those are also great jobs, though. I don't, I think that right. it's amazing. America, yes, does have the most opportunity for other things, because it's just such a unique place. And the fact that there is really no standard, there is no requirement. But that being said, because of that, there are I I sometimes wish you could go back to the days where it's like you had the options. You could be a nurse, a lawyer, a doctor, things that really brought value to the world. Um, And I mean, obviously now it's so amazing that like people start startups and stuff. And that's what I do. And that's phenomenal. But there's just so many other things that people need to look at in terms of like career paths that are just reliable career paths. It's not a terrible thing to make a safe career choice. Just because everyone is hustling and grinding doesn't mean that you cannot Go to college and study uh, and get a degree in something that you know will get you a job out of college. That is not unsexy. Like that is very cool.
0: I think, yeah, I I believe the only problem that surrounds this whole at 18 choose your career thing is that the stigma and the responses that are going into your brain and you shouldn't decide this on the feedback of people. It should be completely intrinsic or a, you know, inherent decision, but I don't think anyone is able to make, uh, there would be people who do make these decisions very individually, but there's a, that's a very rare population.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's hard. Uh, And I mean, especially on the topic of college, it's just a hard thing to figure out even how to make those decisions. That's another thing. I don't even feel like in high school, you're really even trained on how to make how to choose what's right and what's wrong. It's just like the wild, wild west, but I don't know. I mean, we're going in the right direction, but I just think it's gonna take a long time.
0: Do you believe in uh, the coming years, there will be a more shift towards, I believe there will be a shift towards individual personal brands and people choosing to, and people you know, kind of forcing themselves to become individual brands because it's now becoming like the remote work culture. How do you explain it to someone uh, who's been working in a professional industry for the last eight years? And you tell them that, hey, we can just hire a freelancer and he can do all of your companies, that field's project, right? So it's a very crazy concept to the guys who are pretty old right now. No offense to them, obviously.
1: Yeah, it's a totally different world. And yes, I think it is going in that direction. That being said, not everyone can do what you and I do or like be on Fiverr and Upwork and stuff. Uh, There's still so many jobs and PR agencies and marketing and communications and people who also need janitors and people who need school lunch nurses. And I mean, just like nurse, you know what I mean? Um, But I think it's going more of the direction of also people who maybe have worked in those corporate jobs for years, deciding and Mm. being okay with being like, I actually think I'm going to start my own company, or I actually am going to start a side hustle because that never was around when I left college back in the eighties or the nineties, whenever this person did. And so I think it's going in that direction where it's, it's, it's not a bad idea to have a full-time job and also something you're doing on the side.
0: Also, uh, when you were starting that blog, I'm sure you were, you were not at all thinking about the, when you just got started, like the business scalability of this.
1: No, I wasn't thinking about it. I was 12. Like
0: I right. didn't know anything. <laughs> you couldn't consciously think about that. So, yeah. do you think do you think that's a uh, I believe like whenever in the in the current scenario of things. So people do want to start things, but uh, it's more of again the feedback loop, you know. It's because they got inspired by some uh instant gratifying uh, YouTube video or uh, it talked about entrepreneurship in a very cool way and they just want to you know in the middle of the night now let's i want to be an entrepreneur let me change my instagram bio and let me just get started with a youtube channel so i i believe that's a that's a kind of i don't know if that's a, the right way to start but since you started that blog because you wanted to do it it was an intrinsic choice it was a personal choice and that led you to continue with it even when it was hard doing it
1: yeah it did uh, and I didn't when I started it I learned really the hard way the business stuff I learned way deeper into my career and partially I truly attribute one of the reasons I have been hopefully successful to date is because everything that I've done I, I've almost just got into it very naive like I started the blog with no expectations I wasn't expecting to make money when I began to make money and began to get to go on TV segments and stuff I was like oh this is cool it just was like it wasn't even crossing my mind. is like, ha, like I didn't have, I would say <laughs> I didn't have that like aha moment until I was like 20. Uh, oh, and there. so it was just, I was just like going through the motions of like, this is cool or this is fun or like, oh, like I don't like that. Uh, and so going into it with that mentality enables you to not be so frustrated when you're rejected, but also just be willing to constantly try new things and get out of your comfort zone because you have nothing to lose. Um, and so I, I, I really think that that's the best way to go into anything is almost just do it because it's like fun. It's a hobby. And that's how so many of these successful startups end up becoming huge companies. It was just someone was like, oh, I wished I had had protein powder. I'm going to make a protein powder. And then their friends like it. Even I mean, I love Ali Webb's. I don't know if you're familiar with Ali Webb from dry bar, her whole story of like, she was, she realized all the moms in her group, like wanted their hair done. So she was just going right. and bringing her blow dryer. That's a multi like billion dollar company now. And wow. so, but you just, you just start it. that's all.
0: Do you think everyone has it in themselves to be an entrepreneur?
1: Do you want like see, the rest see, of like, like <laughs> uh,
0: Now, exactly. I would, I would give, uh, give this question a disclaimer and I don't, believe it's a it's a harsh thing to say to someone that you can't be an entrepreneur because it's it's not the end of this world being an entrepreneur doesn't make you like the you know the best person on this planet it's obviously a individual skill set that a person could have and they could follow it and they could end up becoming really successful but i really want to know like do you think everyone has that skill set
1: it's like, do you want the right answer? or Like the, the, like the, the politically correct answer? <laughs> politically. <laughs> no. I mean, do I think everyone can do this? No. And I think that that's why entrepreneurs are successful is because if everyone could do this, I mean, and when you, when you look at the evolution of someone's career and like, I even said throughout this, I mean, the amount of stuff and like pain that I've gone through doing this and the amount of the self-doubt and the loneliness, I mean, if everyone could endure that, like that's amazing, but I don't think mentally everyone has it in them. It is just a certain type of person. That being said, everyone has the possibility to be an entrepreneur. It might take something right. happening in your life, a woman getting divorced and realizing she wants to start like an aftercare program to, to go down that path. Uh, but the natural like progression and pre- like creation of an entrepreneur, I truly think stems from just how you were as how how like before you were even born, just the way that you were created. Because other, otherwise everyone would be an entrepreneur. And I think the opposite side of that question is like, I could not be a lawyer. I could not be a doctor. I could not do any of that stuff. So I am good at what I'm good at. And I could never do right. that. Like the way that a lawyer probably couldn't be an entrepreneur. I guess like lawyers kind of are maybe, but not if they're with a firm or like a doctor probably couldn't be an entrepreneur. Unless, but you know, unless they have like a side hustle on the side, but that's what they're, they're yeah. good at being a doctor. You know what I mean?
0: I, I agree with that. I think and I also believe there should there shouldn't be a shame like in people also shouldn't glorify this too much or also don't look them down or something because it's it's again it's a decision and it's something that a person has to go through a very difficult journey if you want to reach that level of success and, and it applies to almost all the fields. You have generic lawyers and you have Harvey Specter, you so you know what I mean. So there's yeah. I think there and are
1: that Oh, no, what we keep going.
0: No, I, I was just like, yeah, explaining that point. Uh, like being a top person in the field doesn't require you to be like an entrepreneur.
1: No, it doesn't. And I have like, even just for like reference, a friend of mine from high school, like super normal. Actually, I grew up with her. Like I grew up in a super small town. Like she's very normal. Like she just has very normal, like traditional life. Um, like pretty much just like opposite of my, like all over life. And she called me and was like, um, just like laughing because I guess her cousin who's like 15 put in her Instagram bio, she's an entrepreneur. And she, my friend was on the phone with her the other day and was like, Oh, like you're an entrepreneur. Like kind of was like, and the girl was like, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. And my friend was like, what, what are you doing? And she was like, Oh, Instagram. And my friend was like, no, but that doesn't make you an entrepreneur. And the girl was like, what? <laughs> I'm an entrepreneur like how dare you and I she told me that. Story <laughs> and I just was like it's so funny that like that word now like the word influencer is almost just like like I you know what oh I mean there's no <laughs> substance behind it it removes some of the credit that people who work their asses to be successful entrepreneurs have but it's, it's all background noise I, no one really cares it's just funny that that term now that's what people want to be when I was growing up if I heard someone was an entrepreneur I probably would have been like <laughs> Like, I I don't want to know you. That's weird. <laughs> it's just funny.
0: How did you get started on the podcast?
1: The, so the first one, how did I get started?
0: F- yeah.
1: Yeah. So when I was living in... Boston. I knew a girl from where I was from in Connecticut. And so I actually, I've at this point had three shows. So I started This Is Life Unfiltered with this girl. It didn't work out with her. We did about like seven episodes. This is like, I think we started actually the same time Joe Rogan did. So podcasts were no oh. big. Um, yeah, okay. and so- We started it and I probably did it for like six, seven months with her and it didn't work out. And I took on my other friend from childhood as a co-host, did it a few months with him, didn't work out. And then I ended up being in Boston and then moving to LA and the podcast became very successful. It was like a highly ranked podcast. I had huge guests on it. And I got up to about 150 episodes. And then right when I, and I did the whole show through even being at Disney. So I was doing the show at Disney and also the podcast. And it was just a huge amount of work on me just having one show was like one thing having two was insane. And then uh, like the 150th episode, right. Kind of when COVID started, I just felt like I, it didn't have it in me anymore. I didn't really care. And I know like, if I'm at that point, I don't want to put something out there that you're going to tell that I don't care about who I'm interviewing. Like it just, I slowly started to realize that what I really enjoyed was talking more about the experiences I had had and like almost being more authentic versus letting someone else share their experiences because I had done that for so long. So then I started another podcast with a friend of mine um, and now doing season two for that, which is different than the first one that I started, but it's totally different. It's not as interview heavy. It's more so like personal stories. But then the second season that I'm editing now um, does have interviews in it.
0: That's awesome, Alexa. Tell, tell me more about that uh, Disney Disney Association.
1: Yeah. So I was living in Boston and I found a list online that was basically like every producer and book agent. And I was uh, I just had the idea and I wrote this email and BCC like 400 of these emails uh, (laughs) from this list that basically was like, hi, my name is Alexa Curtis. I'm 18. I started a blog like I've been on these TV shows you know, uh, if, I, I literally think at the end of the email, it says like, if you ever have any need for me, please reach out. And I got one reply from someone at Disney who was like, if you live in LA, let's take a meeting. And I was like, guess I'm moving to LA. So I found a sublet <laughs> and um, I convinced the, the second person I had started the podcast with to move there. He moved there with me for three months, hated it, left. And in that three months, I started taking meetings with Disney and then they came up with the idea for Fearless Every Day. So it was called Fearless Every Day with Alexa Curtis and I signed a one-year deal with them and it was going across the country interviewing kids who were just doing really remarkable
0: things. How was the shift like uh, from you were earlier living in Boston and then to LA? Yeah. So for a kid, uh, was it all that dreamy starry lights or was it just a struggle?
1: hard it was very hard and it was also very hard for me to adjust to working for someone else like I had worked for myself for eight years and so all of a sudden now I've got people asking me what I'm doing and having me sign these contracts and I have like a legal team I was not used to that and I made a lot of mistakes and I learned the hard way because no one had prepped me to like you're gonna go work like work for and have a show on Disney and like here's what you should know I literally just was like, okay, I'm here, and I made a lot of errors. Um, and but that that transition to Boston to LA, that LA is the hardest city I've lived in. It is the fakest city I've lived in. It is the most pretentious city I've lived in. I don't think I would be where I am now if I had it. and I still have my apartment in LA. If I hadn't spent four years in LA. But I mean, you're, you're talking about complete, almost isolation. Like the way that I felt when I moved there is the way that I felt when I started my blog. Like, and I hadn't, I thought I was past that phase, but that city will just run you down. And so it was very hard. I felt very uncomfortable for a very long time.
0: I think that's the side that people don't often hear about, right? When, when, when people talk about moving to LA or moving to these uh, really high profile cities and they always just get to look at the bright side. Na? They'll they'll see that there, there, there are these awesome skyscrapers. There are these famous people living, walking on the streets. and But they don't get to st- see that struggle or that hardship that you have to go through.
1: No. And when you look at all those successful people too, and all those celebrities, I mean, many of them, it was the same setup, but you only see someone in the way that they're presented and when they're at the top. Um, right. And so... I, I just, I really, I really struggled. It was just like a total, almost like loss of identity because LA, once you're there, it's a bubble. And when I moved there, people would say that. And I just was like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. And then after taking a step back for after being there for a bit of time, I really realized that. And it is not a culture that almost wants people to be happy and succeed. I mean, a lot of the stuff and what happens that I've seen, especially with the celebrities behind the scene and like the clubbing and just the whole lifestyle is very toxic and many people who you see online who are like the happiest people on Instagram are miserable and like doing a lot of drugs and just like trying to live day by day. And I think that's the frustrating part is that no one will see that unless like you're in the world, unless you're in the industry. And so, um, you know, you just can't look at all of these people. Like they're these people to like aspire to be because you don't really know what's going on in someone's life.
0: I think that's why The job you're doing right now is uh, that's why I really appreciate it because you're you're really solving the purpose of unfiltering lives and you're putting it out in a very clear manner, in a very tranquil sort of manner. And and people get the real image. It's really important to understand all the aspects before diving into something. Right. And I think, and I, and I thank you for doing that job. (laughs) <laughs>
1: Thank you so much. I'm so glad you're such a good like podcast interviewer because sometimes I do interviews that I'm like, oh God, this, this is the first I've ever done a podcast interview before. Uh, but no, I, I appreciate it. And like I said, from the beginning, that's why I started was to just fill that void of people, of feeling like I didn't have anyone to aspire to be who was really self-made and young and doing it on their own. So that's kind of just why I started and I won't give up until it's exactly where I want it to be.
0: You sure won't, Alexa. we all will be witness
1: (laughs) oh my god thank you i hope so no pressure oh all the pressure uh, the more pressure the better
0: (laughs) i i i loved talking to you and uh, now i want to know like when will you be visiting india obviously like the covid's been pretty bad here but when it gets over when will we see you coming here
1: Literally would love to go there. So my sister actually lives in Turkey and her husband is a really big um, business guy. And so he spends a lot of time in India. So like the minute I can go back and then go there, I'll be there. So I will certainly reach out to you when I'm there. And I want a list of like everything to do. Uh,
0: Let me know. (laughs) Let me know whenever you come here.
1: I will. I will. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Alexa. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was so lovely to chat with you.
0: And with this, we conclude this really awesome conversation. I hope you enjoyed it and we'll be back again with another great episode.